from the nation's capital, this is D.C. Public Safety. I'm your host, Leonard Sipes. Our show today, ladies and gentlemen, addresses violence prevention in our nation's cities. Our guest today is Shannon Cosgrove, Director of Health Policy for Cure Violence at www.cureviolence.org. Shannon, welcome to D.C. Public Safety. It's a pleasure to be here, Leonard. You know, this is a very important topic, violence prevention. I mean, every city in the United States, we have rising crime now in about 50 cities per the Department of Justice throughout the country. So this is back on the radar of a lot of different people. We Yes, we've had two decades of almost continuous reductions in crime, but it seems to be popping up. I want to read from your website very briefly. Cure violence stops the spread of violence in communities by using the methods and strategies associated with disease control, detecting and interrupting conflicts, identifying and treating the highest risk individuals, and changing social norms. So what does all that mean? Yes, well, thank you. Uh, Dr. Gary Sluckin was in Africa for 10 years and studied cholera and tuberculosis and HIV with just six doctors and tens of thousands of refugees and found ways to drastically reduce these diseases. When he came back to Chicago, he was looking at maps of violence and found that violence behaved exactly like cholera and tuberculosis and HIV in terms of its clustering, in terms of its spread, in terms of its transmission. And so started putting two and two together and said, well, if we could deploy these techniques that the World Health Organization had um, all throughout Africa and all throughout the world for that matter, why can't we do that here? So he started to work on what is now known as cure violence in 1995, and the first um, implementation of the model started in 2000 in Chicago. And so he hired and trained credible messengers, so people that are from the field, if you will. And so these are these are people who understand crime, who have experienced it themselves, who who know what it's like to be part of a community where crime is present. And he was able to work with these individuals to reduce crime in some neighborhoods up to 70%. Mm-hmm. Now, explain that to me, though. With CURE, it is taking leaders within the community and training individuals within the community to be violence interrupters, to go out and be on the street and to find out what's going on in that community and to take people who look like they're going to commit acts of violence and interrupt them to the point where they don't. Am I right or wrong? That is incredibly correct. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So how, how do they do that? Who are these people? Who are these individuals and how do they do that in terms of violence interruption? Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example of one person that I get to work closely with now. Um, His name is Marcus McAllister and he was um, 18 years old when he uh, was arrested and then he was sent to the uh, federal system for 10 years. And when he he came back out um, into the streets of Chicago, he was looking for a job and having a hard time finding a job and was hired as a credible messenger. And so what he did was work to um, identify those that are at highest risk within the community. And um, in doing so, he was building relationships with the um, local businesses, with the local leaders, um, with the grandmothers that are in the community and and finding out um, who is at highest risk, what gangs are in effect, what crews, what groups, et cetera, and who is having beef with whom. And, And finding 
finding out um, what was about to happen. And so he would then put himself into that situation and ensure that it didn't. And he was able to de-escalate situations, just like all of our messengers are able to. So they really interrupt things before they are about to happen and have saved countless lives in, in doing so. So the idea of this is violence interruption with credible individuals, and some of those credible credible individuals are former offenders themselves. In fact, some of them are out of the prison system. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are trained. They are vetted. They are screened. They are taught how to do it. But it's that credibility of that individual to be on the street, to actually walk up to a 17-year-old and say, look, I understand what happened. I understand the fact that they did something to your brother. I hear that you're going to retaliate, but we need to talk. Right. Um, so it's credible messengers dealing with the actors who the, the intelligence brings to the front and then that person rushes in and stops the person from doing something stupid. Right. And not just anyone can do that, right? There has to be that trust factor. And then they start changing the behaviors of the individuals. So it's talking about um, actually thinking about our actions as they're about to happen, right? So, so do you really want to do this? Do you want to leave your family for 10 years? Do you want to not see your child grow up? And they're able to, you know, get them to a point of of making an alternative decision and then incorporating some skill sets that will translate to to later on success in life. Then finally, they're able to change the norms. So what we liken it to is, is smoking. So if you walked into a restaurant or even in this room right now and lit up a cigarette, you know, I would look at you with a side eye as anybody else would. Mm-hmm. But in terms of violence, that's not the case. It's just normal, right? It's it's part of day-to-day life for many of our communities, but it doesn't have to be, right? So so how do we get to this space where our interrupters and the communities alike can can see that violence is, is no longer acceptable so that we could all live in these safe communities? You're in cities throughout the United States. You're in cities throughout the world, according to, according to your website, right? That's right. We're in 64 communities, 25 cities, and we're on... Um, we're in eight countries, four continents. Okay, so a lot of people have bought into this concept. A lot of people have basically said that it cannot just be a criminal justice solution. It cannot be just a law enforcement solution or a correction solution or a parole and probation solution. A lot of communities have bought into this concept by saying, come in, cure, train our people, vet our people, take a look at what it is that we're trying to do. Let us get out in that community. Let us be on the street. Let at 11.30 on a Friday night or a Saturday night and and let us do what it is that we need to do to interrupt violence. Yeah, and it's working. I mean, we've seen this work in schools. We've seen this work in many, many communities. Um, In Baltimore, where I live, three of the four communities uh, we've been involved in have had more than a year without a shooting, which is... Mm-hmm. You know, a, a, a pretty amazing statistic considering the the statistics that were prior. Um, we're in Iraq where there were a thousand high risk mediations. South Africa where there was fifty three percent fewer shootings. Puerto Rico fifty percent reduction mm-hmm. in killings in general. I mean, our our statistics definitely say a lot for themselves. Okay, so I want to go into that because. 
Every time I do a radio show, I try to talk to other people and saying I'm interviewing this person from the Department of Justice or I'm interviewing this person about um, uh, GPS monitoring or offender reentry or education programs, and I try to get their opinion. So I spoke to five different people, and they, this is what they said to me. They said, Leonard, you can take a look at Hura's website, which we all did, and you can go to Baltimore, Chicago, New York, other cities, and see big reductions in violence. Um, claimed by the Cure model. Uh, in Baltimore, a reduction of killings of up to 56% and shootings of up to 44%. I'm talking about big reductions in violence. Um, the inevitable question is, if this is true, then why can't the criminal justice system take a back seat and let Cure get in there and do their thing. Why isn't Cure part of the national dialogue in terms of reducing violence within our cities? I think it's how we're wired, right? So if there's any violent event, the first person that is asked to to speak to this is usually a police chief or someone representing the criminal justice system. It is not likely that it's a a health leader. Um, Times are changing and we're seeing major success in in the communities that we're in. And also we won't go into a community unless the criminal justice, specifically the police system is supportive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have two members of our board from New Orleans and from Los Angeles that are police chiefs. And we have major support from Baltimore and New York and, and other cities that, that we're working in. So so that's changing. But, um, you know, in terms of our evaluations, you know, Northwestern has evaluated us, Hopkins, Center for Court Innovations, and many, many more um, Temple University is, is evaluating the Philadelphia program right now and seeing great success. So so we're hoping that the evidence ends up speaking for itself so that more and more communities will want to see these effects and these benefits and these lives that are saved within their communities. But you do see my point. My yes. point is, is that after spending 45 years in a criminal justice system, 35 years within public affairs for the criminal justice system, I read newsletters and news summations throughout the country every single day, uh, anywhere from Google Alerts to to bondified news organizations focusing on nothing else besides crime and justice. I don't see Cure popping up in any of these newspaper reports, radio reports, television reports throughout the country in terms of crime and justice. So it's got to be a little bit more than being hardwired. I mean, is there a sense of, oh, this is a liberal approach, a different approach. We don't like this approach. We need to be tough on crime. What? There's got to be a reason beyond uh, simply that we're hardwired to talk to the local chief of police. It's definitely possible. And I'd say that prevention itself is something that the U.S. or even the world, for that matter, does not focus um, enough in terms of aligning the resources with the needs. And I I think that's fair to say, and most people can agree with that when, um, you know, we could show uh, percent decreases in, in violence and in, uh, in, in homicide shooting specifically, but um, can't say the exact number of lives that were saved because of a thousand mediations. How do you really say that all of them would have amounted to a homicide or a shooting? That's exactly right. How do you, how do you prove a 
negative. Right. And and it's it's impossible, but one can say that if if Cherry Hill, for example, in Baltimore City goes one year without a shooting or a homicide, we should be able to make some conclusion that there was a drastic difference from the year prior, right? Mm-hmm. And so so for some reason that's that's not enough to date. But we're we're hoping that the more and more we continue to tell these stories of the individuals that, um, you know, whose, whose lives have been saved, who have turned the course, who are now interrupters, who are being productive parts of their, their community and want to see the community flourish, that eventually we'll, we'll, see, we'll see this change. But I do think that we need to note that, um, you know, we're, we're not trying to pit cure violence against the criminal justice system. We see that both, um, you know, obviously play a major role. And we have some instances like in the, um, we were in a UK prison where the cure violence program went in and worked alongside the criminal justice system and drastically reduced violence. 95% of group attacks were reduced during the time that the cure violence staff was, was there. And so I think there's, there's hope for criminal justice and cure violence models to, to live in the same space. But they, we have to live in the same space, don't you think? I mean, if, if the data that you're presenting, if it's half true, if the data that you're presenting is as effective as you present it to be, Cure should be getting the Nobel Prize. Cure should be getting the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, you would be doing something that the rest of us in the criminal justice system have been unable to do. Right. Um, and, and I think that's the disconcerting part of it for those of us in the criminal justice system. Basically, what I'm hearing is that it's startling um, because, you know, we're used to getting 10 percent reductions, 5 percent reductions when we do uh, certain things. Um, we're not used to organizations claiming that there has been a 50 percent reduction. Uh, let me again read from the, the website where you're talking about, oh, Baltimore uh, reduction in killings up to. 56% and shootings of up to 44%, you should be getting the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, well, clearly the U.S. in general needs to be doing more. So $279 billion is spent on violence every year, 60,000 lives, 16,000 of them attributable to to homicide, being a leading cause of death, specifically in the African-American male community, age 15 to 34. Mm-hmm. And and actually, the, the disparities there are growing. So from 1985, you saw a 400% difference in homicides between African-American men and white men. In 2013, 470%. So actually, the gap is widening. And mm-hmm. so our response is obviously not in line with the need. And so I think Cure violence, I agree, needs to be a, a big piece of that puzzle. We're talking today to Shannon Crossgrove, the director of health and uh, health policy for Cure Violence, uh, www.curevolence.org, www.curevolence.org, talking about violence prevention. Shannon just did a television show for us on the subject of violence prevention. I found the cure model to be so interesting that I wanted to give Shannon an entire half hour instead of being one of four <laughs> guests on the television show to explain uh, violence prevention throughout the United States. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to have you in on the program today is because I used to do that. When I left the police department and put myself through college, uh, one of my many jobs uh, was being a street counselor Mm. in Baltimore City, being on the streets with the gangs um, at 1130 at night on a Friday night. Uh, And 
it to me it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. I've always say that you know any time that I work directly with the offender population, uh, that they taught me far more than I taught them. Um, but I was able to go to somebody and say, Terry, look, you know, this can't be happening. You're going to go to prison for the rest of your life. I, this is what I hear. Uh, I know you've got a gun. Um, I know that uh, your intention is to go and shoot Bob because Bob disrespected you the other day. And, and, and you know, we need to talk about this. We need to think this through. And being able to do that successfully, diffusing those encounters successfully, I've seen it firsthand. I know it can be done. I keep coming back to the same premise. If I buy into this, um, and if you buy into this, and if the stats are accurate, um, then um, cure violence is a model that uh, most jurisdictions should be considering. Um, so the criminal justice system is basically saying, no, uh, maybe uh, we don't trust this, we don't get it, we can't figure it out. You know, there's got to be a reason, and that's one of the things I want to really focus on. There's got to be a reason. You've got a beautiful website. You've got a great message. You've got data from good universities. What's missing here for my friends within the criminal justice system? It's, it's hard to really, really tell, but I will say that, you know, so many of the police that I worked with back in Baltimore City have said time and time again, we cannot arrest our way out of this. And so they know that um, there is a need to be partnering with others and to um, to that the problem is so much bigger than than um, something that can be solved by the criminal justice system alone. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about the trauma that people have endured by mere virtue of living in neighborhoods where violence is present, it's it's significant. And so there's, there's studies that have been done, the Adverse Childhood Experience Study that was out of Kaiser Permanente's shop in, in San Diego that analyzed what violence and other traumas that happen within early childhood and continuing on throughout adulthood due to our brain, due to our chemistry and and it creates this sense of, sense of heightened alert so mm-hmm. so that experience you just spoke about of that individual um, of Terry you know whether or not he was going to shoot Bob his his brain was was ready to to react he was in you know fight or flight mode essentially and so so working with the the credible messengers being able to to calm the situation and then being able to to put in healthy coping skills is is really important and it's something that they are unique uniquely qualified to to be able to do. And so I mean I think your your question about why is this, you know, all criminal justice and and cure violence isn't isn't really seen enough in the space. I think it's it's partially, you know, that um the, the criminal justice system is, is trying to take on a, a lot mm-hmm. and and it can be um, taken on by by people who've lived that experience before and in a way that actually reduces the amount of work for the criminal justice mm-hmm. system, the amount of costs, um, and and the amount of a lot of the, the backlash we see, right? If people are living in these safer communities, they are afforded more opportunities to, to be able to, to lead out that healthy, productive But life. just not safer communities. Again, according to your website, you've been able to b- reduce violent crime shootings, homicides by 
big numbers. Um, so it's, it's just more than reduced shootings. It's reducing them by big numbers. Um, let me throw this out at you. Um, from a criminological point of view, we have studied for decades about communities controlling their own violence. Criminologically speaking, we've always said that it's not the criminal justice system that controls violence. Uh, whether you beat your spouse or not, whether you do drugs or not, whether you engage in all sorts of nefarious activities, that's really a question for the community. It's not really a question for the criminal justice system. The criminal justice system is not going to stop you from doing drugs. The criminal justice system is not going to stop you from um, engaging in acts of violence towards people who you know, maybe even who towards people that you love. The criminal justice system is very limited. So it's got to be the larger community that asserts itself in terms of what happens in those communities. Unless the larger community asserts itself, then true crime reduction is not going to happen. You're going beyond that. You're going beyond what my criminological training is. What you're saying is, is that, okay, the community can't do it and the criminal justice system can't do it. We're going to bring in individual peacekeepers who are going to do it. That's a real leap, criminologically speaking. Well, I will say that the peacekeepers are from within the community. So I think that's a, a key component. So so we're never working uh, for, to, or at a community. We're working within um, a community and, and building um, not only capacity, but, um, you know, just strength in general to be able to overcome violence. But, you know, one example is in, in Baltimore, again, or I have most of my examples because that's where I am, um, we're building a, um, a board that's made up of community leaders. And so the idea is that, um, you know, with when violence is present or the perception of violence is present, um, then then businesses are unlikely to, to come in to a community, then schools are less likely to invest, then teachers are less likely to accept It destroys jobs. the community. And yes, Undoubtedly. exactly. And so, so this, this undergird of violence, if that is not solved, then being able to, to really get past those, those social determinants, if you will, um, stable housing, education, transportation, et cetera, is, is very, very difficult, right? And, and again, this, the stress response that's attached to it is, is forcing people to, to to live in in spaces that you know is completely unhealthy, and so so the the community needs to be a, a, a key component, the loudest voice, if you will. And I think the the cure violence workers, um, the interrupters, the outreach workers, are are again uniquely qualified to be able to lift up up that voice. Okay, but yeah, I'm going to go back to Baltimore because I was born and raised in Baltimore. When I was born and raised in Baltimore, everybody was on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, parents, kids, 8.30, 9.30 on a summer's night, that street was filled. Uh, and parents were out on the front porch. The community interrupters were the guy up the street or the, the, the woman up the street who, if I did something wrong or said something wrong, I was dragged down to my parents. Uh, and there was no, you know, get your hands off my kid. It was my father saying, what? What did he do? He said, I heard him cursing and he was cursing loud and he was embarrassing uh, us and we don't like it. And then my father took care of me. I mean, the community controlled its own misbehavior. Right. The community the control- it didn't have individual mm-hmm. hand-picked people representing the community. The community controlled it. Mm-hmm. So what I'm suggesting is, again, criminologically speaking, you're forging new territory. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is, is that the communities, even though 
these individuals represent the community. They're not the larger community. That there still needs to be interrupters on the street. What happened naturally during my childhood no longer happens naturally. Right, and I would say the social cohesion, if you will, so the the tight knitness of your community back then does not exist in many of our communities today that see violence every day. Right. Right. And, and again, likely be part of it at least is because that violence is, is present. So I'm not going to be outside as often because I am scared that I might get shot or I'm not going to walk to the store or I'm not going to, you know, send my child four doors down, you know, so that all changes. And then those, those leaders who feel compelled to, you know, score, that individual and send them down to their to their parents they don't know them that bond isn't there anymore so again this is where the interrupters come in but it's also you know the the highest risk communities and the highest risk individuals who are often social outcasts in many senses of the words mm-hmm. right so so these are people who have likely been kicked out of the school system or been forced into substandard housing etc cetera, etc cetera. so so you know the interrupters essentially act as you know that parent down the street to to be able to mitigate the situation so communities have changed yes communities have changed and we've got to understand that communities have changed the what we call the informal social control theories of decades ago really don't apply to high crime neighborhoods wherever they may be um, we have to have individuals who are trained and understand how to handle situations that are authentic to the individuals who are acting out so they are not going to be passed off as as uh, uh, as not genuine uh, that they are trained and vetted and will intervene in a meaningful way to prevent violence in that community. All I'm saying is is that this is a real difference from my classic mm-hmm. criminological training of, of where the criminal justice system needs to go. And I think it's because of that uniqueness uh, that people have a hard time wrapping their right. heads around the cure of violence proposal. Yeah. And I think people also have a hard time wrapping their heads around the fact that we're hiring individuals with substantive backgrounds, right? And so... Substantive backgrounds means being caught up in the criminal justice system or out of prison. Yes. And deeply for the most most part, right? So so I, I gave you the example of Marcus, but, you know, Others of uh, other people on our interruption staff have been um, on death row before, or who um, have been tried for attempted murder. That I'm, these are individuals that I'm aware of, right? And so, and I know we of our hundreds and hundreds of interrupters that the same is true across the board. And so, you know, criminologically speaking, that's not part of typical tactics, right? To to hire individuals with with those backgrounds. But again, they are uniquely qualified. They get it, mm-hmm. you know, more than, than I'm going to get it or more than the next person might get it. They understand the life and they understand how to navigate those pathways. And so thinking about, you know, when someone is coming out of, of prison or jail or out of any part of the system, you know, being able to identify with a leader like that who has been able to turn the corner and and start changing the community for the better is is such a positive um thing that we should be promoting somebody who says i've been exactly i've I've gone through exactly what you're going through now i know exactly how you feel i know exactly i know the anger Mm -hmm. I, i i can see it i can smell it i can taste it i know the anger i know who you are i know who your friends have told me that you're armed they want me to interrupt uh don't do what caused me to serve 20 years in prison, uh, here's the way out. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. That's right. And, and these individuals are placing themselves in harm's way many of the time and, you know, mitigating the situation, um, but also putting themselves back into the environment that created their original pathway. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, much of the pushback we get is around, um, recidivism or around, um, you know, some of our individuals getting caught back up in, Mm -hmm. in things. And so I looked into some statistics on this and uh, of the 300 outreach workers that we had hired over the years in Chicago, only 10 had actually recidivated. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about any system for that matter, you know, our, our percentage is very, very small. And and there are very high rates of recidivism per U.S. Department of Justice data oh, in yeah, terms of people being rearrested, years. going back to prison, about half go to back to prison right. after three years. So yep. um, if you're talking about very small rates of reentry into the criminal justice system of your representatives, and that's something to be said by itself. Right. We are employing individuals in a way that they're able to, to give back and be extremely productive. We only have a minute and a half left. For the people out there who are listening listening to this program, mostly people within the criminal justice system, but we have lots of students and we have a lot of people who are aides to Congress, people or mayors. What's your message in terms of cure? So the health approach works. We, we have evidence to prove that it works up to 71%, 73% in some of the neighborhoods that, that we're in. We're seeing reductions in homicides and shootings. Um, and this approach is working across the entire country and not just in cure violence models, in hospital-based violence intervention programs, in schools and prisons, et cetera. And so we really want to to promote this work as a way of of really reducing violence and the, the injustices that are, that are faced um, um, by our communities on a day-to-day basis so that we could all lead these safe, healthy, productive it's lives. It's the same model that the CDC uses in terms of, of disease control. That's what's that's the cure violence model, right? Yes, that's correct. All right, Shannon Cosgrove. Uh, she is the Director of Health Policy for Cure Violence at www.curevolence.org, www.curevolence.org. Ladies and gentlemen, this is DC Public Safety. We appreciate your comments. We even appreciate your criticisms, and we want every Everybody to have themselves a very pleasant day.